or um, it'll also be up on the screen. I want to read a, um, before I share a little bit, I want to just read a small section out of um, 2 Timothy. Uh, I used, this was one of the readings I used two weeks ago when I spoke, and, and I want to use it again today. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to be reading from verse 10. Right through to verse 17. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 10. And this is kind of Paul's final um, words to Timothy, his, his young disciple and, and some of his final sort of encouragements, if you like, or it says his final charge. It's an old-fashioned word for, you know, get on with it, go on with it. And he says this, he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, and what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium and, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And while evildoers and, and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so I want to read that, because we're going to be talking about um, discipleship again this, this morning and um, in the context of family. seems like Timothy's entire life is saturated in discipleship. If you remember two weeks ago, I spoke about Timothy's mother and grandmother, how they were kind of instrumental in giving him the foundation of faith through his grandmother and mother in the family context. And then he gets hooked up with Paul, among other people, but he gets hooked up with Paul in a missional context where he heads out on mission with Paul. And uh, Paul sort of says, you know, Timothy, you saw everything that happened. You heard everything that happened. You saw what happened when we went here. You saw what the reaction was when we went there. And this year we've been looking at a theme, moving people in following Christ, essentially discipleship. And uh, thinking about things like, what does it mean to be a disciple? And, and how do we, or, or how are we to make disciples too? Because it's not just about being one, it's about how we live our lives to, to make disciples as well. We've been looking at that and we've been looking at the different contexts. How does it happen? What sort of context does it happen in? It happens in church, in, in school, in, um, in, all sorts, in family, in all sorts of contexts. Who contributes to it? A and, and how do we contribute to other individuals, to, to the discipleship process of others? And even as a community of believers, we've looked at how do we contribute to the discipleship journey of others? And uh, we've had a kind of a sub-theme this month, and that's been about family. You know, um, discipleship in, or discipleship and the family. We're looking at how discipleship happens in family, how it's supposed to happen in our family. What unique contributions does a family have that perhaps a church doesn't have, or a school doesn't have, or a youth group doesn't have? Could that be God orchestrated? Could that be planned by God? Is that maybe intended? Is that an intended discipleship context 
as we grow up. And what, what families do and what families could do or can do that would develop or grow or encourage discipleship in kids, in people growing up. And even your, you, you might be grown up, but you might still hang out with your family. Discipleship is still happening. Well, today we just baptized a new disciple, Ethan. He's part of a family that will be, and not just Luke and Agnes, but even the extended family, he's part of the family that will be a key contributor in his discipleship journey. But it's interesting as we look at Luke and Agnes and at their family as well, because this family is in a unique position, in a unique context, if you like. When I'm, Remember, I'm talking about what contexts do we uh, disciple in or are we discipled in. This family is in a unique context and this will bring a unique contribution. The context that they're in and every context we're in brings an extra dimension of discipleship. And so I want to uh, raise a couple of premises too. The one is families in missional settings can contribute to the discipleship of a child. Now, what's a missional setting? You know, we know that Luke and Agnes live in, in Uganda and live overseas. And, but is that just a missional setting? It is a missional setting. But it's also serving as a family together where you are. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be here. In, it's also... Uh, anything that you do as a family that, that has an emotional focus, it's an outward focus, it's not about you, it's, it's about bringing Jesus to people. It's where your family steps into a sacrificial role to serve and to be missional. So, yep, Luke and Agnes are overseas in Uganda. It doesn't have to be. When I talk about a missional setting, think broader than that. Being part of a family that lives in or that takes part in or is around missional context is a discipling context. The context itself and the people you're with in that context are part of the discipleship process as we grow up. And, and just those couple of verses in, in, in the text, verse 10 and 11, where Paul actually lays it out for Timothy. He says, you, Timothy, you know about all my teachings. You know about my way of life. You know about my purpose his passion for to, to plant churches. You know about my faith. You know about my patience and, and my love and endurance. But you also know about the persecutions I suffered. What kind of things happened when we were on the mission field in, in Antioch, in Iconium, and, and, and in Lystra, and the things I endured. So he kind of reminds Timothy that in that context, you know that sort of stuff. You know that that stuff formed you. You know it discipled you exposure to someone else's discipleship journey in family disciples you his stories the places the trouble he'd experienced how god was faithful and rescued him the context itself is a key part of the discipleship process and what a child sees a family do and what a child sees ha uh, how a child sees a family respond to things will be part of how they're discipled will point to who it is that we live for. And that means, you know, as families, lots of modeling. And parents, you know, you, you, you know that, you know. But not just modeling how we, um, how we eat well, you know, how we don't open our mouth when we chew. How many of you had issues with your kids with that? You know, but <laughs> modeling things like obedience 
how we ourselves are obedience, modeling things like dependence on God, modeling things like showing our kids, letting them see when God provides, or seeing God in action, getting our kids into places where they see God move, where they see God doing things, allowing our kids to be mentored through situations and people in those situations. And those things all add up to and and equal a DNA that's built into their kids of a passion for God, a passion for the kingdom, a passion to see the world change through God and through them. That's discipleship. Remember, though, (laughs) this is God's work. It's His design and He uses it. Just in case you start thinking we need to be super family, you know, we need to be super parent. Remember, this is God's work, but he has given us our children into our family, into our context to disciple them. You're not super, you're not special. And I'm saying this also because I'm about to show you a clip. I wanted, um, I wanted, I wanted to focus on Ethan growing up in a missional context, which he's going to be doing and what that's going to look like. And Luke's going to share a little bit later on. But I wanted to hear from someone that did grow up in a missional context and hear what what, um, how they learnt or what they learnt about God. And it happens to be my daughter, so I don't want it to be about my family because this is what God does. This is not about super family and that sort of stuff. But I want you to see how growing up in a missional context, what it does for a child as they observe things and as they grow up. So have a, have a look at this clip and have a listen to Kelsey. So Dad asked me to share with you guys how growing up as a family in a missional context Um, influenced and contributed to my discipleship journey which is pretty massive and the more I think about it the more I realize that it had a huge impact on my relationship with God Um, and I think the biggest thing is that I learned a lot through the role models that were around me um, through mum and dad and the work that they did and a lot of other people and I just picked up a lot from what I watched and saw them do Um, But just some key things that have come to mind in thinking about it. Um, The first thing is that we lived in a community and so there was always people around and we were surrounded by people to the point that my mum had to teach uh, our neighbour to knock on the door that he couldn't just walk in whenever he pleased. Um, And mum and dad mentored many different people and there was always different people in our house having catch-ups or small groups. Um, So I really learnt the value of doing the journey together um, and was exposed to many different cultures from people from many different nations and we celebrated that. I still remember one of our Christmas dinners where, I don't know, we may have had about six or seven different nationalities around the table celebrating Christmas and that became a real value that I grew up with and a real value of hospitality as well that we are in community and we we live together and we work together. Um, Another thing that I learnt and that mum and dad taught me is the importance of living by faith. Um, They taught us as kids how much we need to rely on God to um, seek him for our direction and for the future. Um, I still remember many times that they sat Joel and myself down to explain that they were praying about what was next and they encouraged us to join them in praying and fasting for um, what God had for us and little did I know that when I shared with dad when I was 15 something that I believed God told me about what we should do in the future that that became one of the deciding factors for us moving back to Australia Um, 
But that meant a lot to me is that mum and dad recognised that God spoke to me as well and that that's part of our journey as a family in honouring and serving God. Um, they also showed us how they relied on God for finances and everything that came with that. Um, and it taught us what priorities we needed to have as well, that we didn't value stuff as much as we valued being together and serving God as a family. And that meant that giving things away became very easy and very natural. And I still find that today, that giving is, is second nature for me because we were got given so much living in a missional community, but we got to give away so much as well. And I guess the last thing is that I had just really unique opportunities to step out in leadership and evangelism from a very young age. I was sharing testimonies in churches and on the streets by the time I was 11. And I was really mentored by a lot of different people, a lot of women who invested in me and encouraged me in my leadership. Um, I'm sure there's so much more that I learnt and that I grew in. Um, but as I look back, I can see that I've learnt a lot of amazing things and that I've learnt a lot about God through the context that I grew up grew up in and I'm very thankful for that. So kids pick up a whole lot more than you think. They watch, they listen, they learn and we have an opportunity as parents to use that. God's given us that as a discipling context that we can disciple our kids and, and pass on the values that we have and the values of the kingdom. But there's more. So I said there was two. A missional setting can contribute to the discipleship of a child. But the second thing is a family living in a, mis a missional lifestyle is a place that God uses to disciple other people too. And this is really cool. You see, a family that's living for God, a family that is doing missional things or being missionally active, if you like, is a place that others can observe God at work. What's going on there? What, what's happening with that family? Or maybe they hear it, and perhaps they hear for the very first time about God from your family. It's a place where healing and acceptance is found, where, where they find healing and acceptance, where somehow that mirrors what, how God feels about them, for answers to life and growth, um, a place of empowering. So families that are busy missionally and serving are places that can become, or, or contexts that can become a place that others are discipled through it. Others are led to the Lord through it. Timothy met Paul on his first missionary excursion. If you read in Acts, that's where Timothy first heard from Paul and, and heard the message and believed. I read this quote this week, and, and I thought I would just quote us a short one. We rarely know what might become of the seemingly chance meetings we have with people. God opens doors for us through the people we meet and the circumstances we encounter. And that's so true when you look back in your life. God uses families that are living a serving, missional lifestyle to disciple new believers and to encourage and grow fellow followers or fellow believers. And I want to invite Luke up because that's kind of pretty key part of what Luke and Agnes are doing in Uganda. Yep, there are heaps of needs in Uganda and they're, they're dealing with those in their, in, their, um, in their various programs in YSU. One of the key things that's happening is discipleship and I want Luke to uh, just share how that's happening through them. 
All right. So over the last year and a half, I've been heavily involved in discipling and mentoring a group of four young men. Um, and it started off with just running a weekly Bible study class with them. They approached me and asked if I could run that for them. Um, but now I can say that they are truly a part of our family. Uh, they are, they're at our house almost every day, sharing meals. They're doing their homework in our house. Um, they're joining us for Christmas and Easter celebrations. And they are involved in our lives just as we are involved in theirs. All of these young boys, uh, young men I should say, between the ages of 16 and 20 years old, uh, they come from very broken homes. And I did an empower trauma rehabilitation with these uh, young men and a common theme in all of their stories is fatherlessness. Um, they have all experienced a father who has rather left or abandoned them or was abusive to them or their mother. Um, and that's the context that they grew up with. That's what they had seen in their family. Um, so these young men have never been discipled by a man to show them how God wants a man to treat his wife and his children. And so I, I don't, I'm, not really a f I'm not really a father figure to them. I'm more like an, an older brother figure uh, to them. And although I'm not perfect by any means, I, I don't try to say I'm perfect, but I still do realize that I'm able to be an example to them of stability that they've never seen uh, in a family before. Um, of someone who sticks around and loves their wife and loves their children. And because they are with us almost every single day, they get to see how I do this up close. They're always watching me. And so this adds another element to our family. Um, no longer is it just about us being happy and raising our family, but now the way I treat my family affects these young boys who are watching and wanting to learn from me. And so it changes um, marriage from being two people standing face to face, enjoying each other, or, or even a family uh, facing each other and enjoying each other to two people or a family um, standing side by side, looking outwards um, at something that's bigger than them. Um, another aspect of this, though, is that all of these boys have come from families with different religions, and they've grown up in different religions. Most predominantly, um, they come from Muslim backgrounds. Um, so they have also not had Christian men disciple them in the faith. Um, they were all Christians when I met them, but they had just recently become Christians, and that's when they had approached me. But I also feel this big responsibility that God has placed on me to fill this role with these young men. Um, one of the young men in particular, named Solomon, uh, I believe God has a very particular and strong calling on his life. Um, all of these young men have lost something to a degree or have been shunned by their family to a degree, um, uh, bec becoming Christians. But Solomon in particular, he lost a lot. Uh, I, I won't go into the details of his story now, but perhaps I'll share more of his story at the dinner night we're having um, this Thursday, but he came from the Baha'i faith. So if you don't know, Baha'ism is a religion that came out of Islam. It's a little bit different from Islam, but he was basically the superstar youth, uh, you could say the, the youth leader of his religious community. Um, and when he became a Christian, he lost everything. So his former religious community who was supporting him in so many ways, they basically told Solomon that if, if he became a Christian, they would no longer support him, which would mean that Solomon and his family would plunge back into poverty. It meant 
Uh, we're no longer to be your friends. We don't want anything to do with you. Um, basically, make your choice. And Solomon says that he knew that although he would lose so much here, that he would gain eternal life. And he, he couldn't walk away um, from Christ at that point. He, he knew he had to. And since then, he has been a very passionate young man. He's a leader amongst his uh, fellow youth. He's, um, yeah, I, I, I feel a particular strong calling on his life. And Solomon is finishing his high school education this year. So he's around about 20 years old. I say roundabout because in Uganda, a lot of the time, people don't actually know their proper age. So he's around about 20 years old. He's finishing high school this year, and he really feels a calling on himself where he would love to go into ministry or some kind of a Bible school. Uh, he has very strong giftings. He's very intelligent. Um, he can, he has, he's a very deep thinker, and he can grasp weighty kind of theological doctrines and concepts. But on top of that, he's very humble, and he has a very compassionate character, and I'm always amazed at his leadership amongst his friends where he's always the first to, to sacrifice or to, to be the last to eat food and make sure everyone goes before him. And he's just, that's, that's how he is. And Uganda needs more young men like him going into the ministry. So it's exciting for me and, and for Agnes and I as a family and with Ethan to be able to um, invest in these young men and Solomon in particular. And I also... I also I think of uh, times where we've had uh, meals together or Bible study classes together and they're holding Ethan in their laps and they're learning how to, to hold a, a baby and, you know, because they haven't had that before. And, um, and so, yeah, to be able to raise these young men, in particular Solomon, to then go and be leaders in their community so they can mentor and disciple other people as well. Yeah. Thanks, Luke. Yep. Solomon is, and uh, I've met Solomon, he's an amazing young man, an amazing, passionate man. And um, that's just a great picture of seeing how a family living in a serving capacity, whether that is in Africa or somewhere else, how your family can become something that is attractive for people that want to know what this is all about. So do you have to go to Africa or far away? No, it's not about where you are. It's not about where you are. The message is that amongst the myriad of things that God has given us as his children, two major things that he gave us are family and a call. We know that. A call to be disciples, followers and kingdom builders. And these things don't have to be. They're not mutually exclusive. You don't have to sacrifice one in order to have the other. They've been given us together, the sense of family and call. They can and they were meant to work together. Family serving missionally is what God's heart is for families. He knows it makes the family and all that goes with it work even better. Now we often refer to our, um, our church as a family-based church or, or we say that we are family-friendly or we want to involve and be about families and these are really good things. And I was considering that this week and I was thinking about that. I'm thinking, well, what a gift for us and for the kingdom, that is. What a powerhouse this church is then for missional living, if we say we're a family church. We not only get to send out a family to Uganda to see it in action, you get to do it here as well with your own little mission team, your family. And we get to champion 
and encourage others in it. That's why we're a community. We get to encourage each other in it. We get to, to help each other in our families. We don't have to do it alone. And also for Luke and Agnes, they don't do this as a family on an island. You know, occasionally they come back here and, and oh, you know, there's Luke and Agnes. What have they been busy with? Their mission must be our mission too as a family of believers. Our serving or us being serving people or serving families is even to help and support them. And we can even do that as families. We want to see the family discipleship model here at One Hope multiply more disciples. And we want that in Uganda too. We, we don't just want that here. We want that wherever one of our families is. And not because it's just a good thing to do and the right thing to do and the Bible says it somewhere, because we believe in it. We want to be investing in family discipleship because we believe that's how God works and that's how God intended it to work. So even now I want to share a really practical way to do that. How could we be a part of developing one disciple that will develop many more in his own culture? Think of Solomon. Luke just talked about Solomon. He's a young man that has has developed contrary to his culture and has a unique position to be able to speak into his culture and disciple many more than we could ever coming from the outside in. Even though Luke's done an amazing job with, with Solomon so far. There is no way that Solomon will be able to go to Bible college or Bible school. There is no way. He has no support. We could be a part of that and it won't, wouldn't even cost a whole lot. We could be a part of seeing Solomon become a discipler of his nation, which is actually what we're trying to do. We're trying to develop it there. Maybe on Thursday night I'll get, um, I'll get Luke to spell out what that might look like in terms of figures. But I know it's not going to be a whole lot of money in our, in our circles, in our, in our context. This is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? You know, families could do this. Can you imagine families sort of saying, well, hey guys, this is, we could support Solomon. We could put, you know, a few dollars from our allowance and a few extra. We could put $20 a week as a family into the pot so that Solomon can go to Bible college. And, and what if every family did that and the churches that are individuals did that? And we developed a young man who became a discipler because he had contact with one of our families. Isn't that amazing how family discipleship could work? We can pray for him. We can give for him. How cool would it be, and I had this thought this week, how cool would it be to one day have him here preaching in our church? How awesome would that be? You know, we, we send him through Bible college and, and we get him over here one day and he preaches. And he's a disciple in his own culture. We, it's not rocket science. It's not hard. We could all do that with lots of little bits. As families living missionally and serving sacrificially, we could do that. Isn't hard. So Luke, that's your mission for Thursday night. Tell us how, what that looks like, how to do that. And just to close, look around our church and its work as a family. See what you could do. If, if, if there's things you're thinking, oh, I'd like to do that, but I don't know how. Have a look around our church. See what you could do with your family. Look around your extended family and your neighbours. Look for missional opportunities to, to serve them, to have them in, to go out to them. Talk to us as leaders for big ideas or for small ideas or for whatever. You know, I was thinking of the Nike ad this week. I don't know why. Is it Nike or Nike? Is it Nike? Uh, he's a sportsman. I'll, I'll believe him. So I was thinking about that ad. You know, with the old, I think that's an old campaign, but the whole just do it. 
I was thinking that, you know, with, with, our, with our families and, and being missional, just do it. I guarantee that God will surprise you and you'll receive so much more than you think you're giving away. And I say that you think you're giving away because you will receive so much more. What about it, families? Let's be families that disciple our kids and let's be families that other people can be discipled through. Let's live out moving people in following God in that context. It's, it's the one we've been given naturally. You don't have to do much to be family. It's already happening. You're going home with it today. Your whole little team is already set. So let's do that. Let me pray. God, we want to thank you for um, just shining your light on, on different aspects of our life as we walk through this theme. But we want to thank you especially today for just showing us that families are a gift, but also helping us understand that they weren't just a gift to have, but they were a gift to use, that they were a context that you gave us to be obedient to you and to disciple the world, to show others what it means to follow Jesus, to show each other as a family what it means to follow Jesus and to live that out in the hard times and in the not-so-hard times. God, we just acknowledge that it isn't always easy. We acknowledge it for Luke and Agnes um, taking Ethan on this journey. He's going to witness stuff that isn't always easy. We get testimonies of when Luke and Agnes are back or we get testimonies of all the great things that, that happen on the mission field or, or when we serve or when we're doing something. But Lord, we want to acknowledge that it isn't always easy, but Lord, in the midst of that, we want to know, we want to be assured and we know that it's because you've called us and it is your intention. We thank you that Ethan was welcomed into the family today by baptism into the bigger family and we recognize your claim on his life. And we thank you that you've placed him in a family that will disciple him, that will show him what you look like and what living for you looks like. Lord, we thank you for Luke and Agnes as they work as a small family and, and open their family for others over there to see what you look like, to see what it means to live for you. I thank you, Lord, for the four guys that are, are doing that, and especially for Solomon that has come such a long way and has such a passion to be the answer for his own culture, to bring God into his own culture. Lord, show us how to respond to that too. God, we want to thank you for being faithful. We know that you are. We thank you for it. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us to set our eyes on you and continue to follow you and to lead others in following you. In Jesus' name, amen.